Okay, hi everyone and welcome to Better. I am Dr. John Duffy, one of your hosts, and with me as always is the lovely Julie Duffy. Hi, honey. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. Good. Um, this is How are you? I'm a little discombobulated, yeah. to be honest. It's been a weird week, and I think that's why we kind of decided we should probably spend a little time in a studio today and talk about suicide, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's it's an odd thing when um, a celebrity, somebody we've heard of, somebody we think, oh, must have a very happy, a very perfect life that they are delighted with, you know, the Robin Williams effect, you know? Um, and you think about Anthony Bourdain and um, Kate Spade. Kate Spade. And, um, you know, and, and you read one quote from them after another that seems, I'm just thinking about things I just read from Anthony Bourdain, who I didn't know that much about before he died. Um, but, it, you know, there's one thing after another that suggests a happy life, you know, it suggests a guy who um, kind of has a feel for who he is. Um, is grateful for what he has. You very know? engaged. Very engaged. Um, Robin Williams always seems super in tune, even with the idea of the fact that he was depressed a lot, you know? Um, and so it's so hard to make sense of these things. And and Mass, and you were saying on the drive over here, yeah, it's um, we collectively are injured by it in a weird way, right? It rocks us to know that so many people... Do choose that, and 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 I I I'm being really careful what word to use there, but that that is an that that's an option that really anybody exercises. It it it's it's um it's hard to make sense of that, yeah. and it and it's super scary, uh, and it's happening so much. You know, we hear about kids in our neighborhoods, in our high schools, and more than one, and then you know. Um, people in all walks of life and it's very you feel it in your gut it's scary and it's sickening and that to know that that people can think of that people opt for that and i guess at our core we wonder if we would ever of course uh, that's probably the scariest well and if part. you've been in my shoes and a lot of you have been in my shoes or something close to them, you know, where you're somebody close to you has committed suicide. And I would argue my closest living relative took his own life and made more than one attempt at that. And, um, and so you question yourself even more than you might otherwise. Um, did, did, so we've talked about Tom on the podcast yeah. before and I, I, I don't know that I've ever asked you this in this way, but did he after he he made an attempt that was unsuccessful, did he did he ever talk to you about what that felt like? Yeah. Oh what yeah, did he, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What he, did and he, I, say? he and I had that talk um a bunch of times. And that actually um segues us kind of nicely into what what I kind of want to say about it because um I, I think it's easy to and I don't think people are being jerks about this when we judge somebody who has committed suicide you you kind of do this calculus of their life right of what you know of somebody's life well 
Kate Spade. She had millions of dollars. Um, she had a, had a husband. She had a young child or two, I think. And David Spade's her brother-in-law, so she, there's some fun and funny in her family. He was crazy about her. Right. She was creative. She was successful. She was world known worldwide. Yeah. She, yeah. She, it seemed like she had it all. Yeah. And then I, I read... Um, um, Oh, who was the movie about uh, Meryl Streep played her fashion maven? Oh, sorry. Can you you know what I'm talking about though? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Anna Wintour yeah. said something like, you know, um, there was a time she said like Kate Spade did something that n- nobody had ever done in their business. She had this like creativity where she came up with these great designs, but then she decided like, oh, but it looks it's, there's too much blank space, so I'm going to put the name right there. And, you know, and then somehow that name became so iconic. She said, like, there's nothing like that since Levi's tag. Oh, wow. Which is pretty impressive, yeah. you know. So, so you do this calculus and you think, wow, how did this person ever come to this apparent decision? And um, there is a – and I've been thinking about, like, how to conceptualize this and how to talk about people who I've worked with who have been suicidal, who have attempted suicide, my brother who com- – committed suicide, but talked about it beforehand. He did talk about his first attempt, which was very similar to his successful, if you want to call it, attempt. And, um, and they, people unequivocally describe the same phenomenon. I, in my head, always called it, I think Tom might be the, the person who told me it was like a depression fog, where your brain... So I, um, I'm, I'm going to take a step back here for a second. Okay. I tell people all the time, that who are really anxious, like like I get anxious, that anxiety in the extreme is a lie. Right. It's a, it's a it's a brilliant a brilliantly conceived lie that your body is telling you, and your body is telling it to you loudly, so you cannot you cannot ignore it. Because it's telling you, you hypersymptomatic. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah. Right. It's telling you there's a crisis. It's telling you you have something to be afraid of and worry about, and it's and and as you know. Is I know it can create literal physical symptoms right. that feel like you might die, which dri- <laughs> drives the thinking that you might die. So right. it creates these symptoms that create th- that make you think that you're going to die, or that you have some out. other kind of disease or something. Some yeah, that something terrible is going to happen. So anxiety is a brilliantly crafted lie, and most of us are anxious. You know, I was talking to somebody about this last night. Um, I don't know if anybody is free of anxiety. Anybody. And I don't know if anybody's free of depression either. And in the big book of mental disorders, we like to think of these as discrete categories that have nothing to do with one another. But the truth of the matter is anxiety is depressing. Depression is anxiety provoking, period. You know, so, so separate them all you like, you, you know, DSM, psychiatry, <laughs> but it doesn't work that way, you know. So um, what, what happens for somebody who is suicidal? And this, these, and I'm taking this from firsthand accounts, and also from a brilliantly, beautifully, thoughtfully written piece in the Washington Post this past Sunday by a woman named Stephanie Chandler, who lost her husband to suicide. Uh, the name of the article is "Please Don't Give Up." Check it out. And she call she calls it suicide trance. Mm. What, what people um, get into. Um, Tom, I think, called it depression fog, <laughs> but but the, they're they're startlingly alike. Yeah. Um, so the phenomenon is that you get down this vortex of thinking, just like you do with anxiety, where you 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 don't. It's not like you're considering choices, and this is one of them. 
it feels like this is the only thing to do. I'm in so much existential pain. Um, I'm causing so much suffering in the people around me that this is, I, there is no other option than this. I cannot, my, my mind cannot find and, and that, that other option. And the depressed mind, just like the highly anxious mind, so picture yourself at your most distressed, cannot find that, that clarity, that space that's mm-hmm, super mm-hmm. rational and yeah. clean and clear. And so it, what looks from the outside to a lot of us like this selfish act, right? How could she leave her child? How could he yeah, leave his yep, child? Yep. Um, or wife or children or whatever. Is actually, I think, in reality, in the moment, a selfless act, seriously. You know, I think it's intended to relieve everybody of the suffering. Like I, I've been the scourge and the bane for long enough of your life and their lives, and I gotta go. Well, right. You know, you, you could, you could say that. You know, oh, the person was weak. You know, they couldn't hang in there. But it's actually probably takes a lot of courage. I don't know. If, you know, I, I'm. I don't know why I'm being so cautious with my words. It, but it, it's, it, 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 it would take. It's got to be super scary. It would take a lot of courage, um, ironically. Ironically, no, no. That's listen. So, so Julie's looking at me right now. Let's be honest. Yeah. And we're and with a little anxiety, right? Like, is this okay to say? Right. And here, so this is this is the point of the podcast. This moment right here, because so many of us, I, I so get where you are right now, and this is how we talk about suicide. Like, where we walk gently around the rim without mm-hmm. talking about it right in the center of it, right? You know what I mean? So your, your caution I still get because this is what we are trained to do. Like, you know, ooh, I don't want to suggest this as an act of courage because, man, somebody listening to this who feels mm. desperate might be inclined, right? You know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back. I'm going to be cautious here. And part of the problem with the way we culturally talk about suicide is we tend not to. Right. So um, one thing I was thinking of recently, I, w- I wrote a little piece for Pear, um, the the app um, about suicide after Kate Spade's before Anthony Bourdain's right. oddly enough but um, one thing I highlight in there is the fact that we tend not to talk about it because it feels so dicey and we're afraid like ooh if I talk to my kid if I ask that question of my 17-year-old who seems down, is she going to think that I am giving her tacit permission or I'm suggesting it in any way? Right. She like she wouldn't have thought of it. Or if I bring it up, she might think of it and she might do it. Right. Right. And if somebody's suffering, eh, they probably have thought of it. And so um, I, I think it has to be part of our normal discourse. And I have a very... So my life is wildly normal except for the fact that I'm a therapist right. for 40 hours a week, yeah. which is which is um, as outside the bell curve as you can get in terms of the things that you discuss with people. Right. So one of the things I talk about every single day, <laughs> five days a week, four or five days a week, is suicide. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so if somebody's having a hard time or if I'm just meeting somebody, I ask them absolutely outright. By and large, people say, I've I've thought about it if they have, um, but I I mean, you you lead with that as a check-in or you're saying you have a lot of people in your office every day who actually have felt suicidal. Both. Okay. Both. I lead with that as a check-in of anybody I meet. So in the, in the first hour that I meet somebody, 
I will ask that question. Okay. Yeah. If they t if they come in and they say, you know, I'm having problems studying, you know, or having mild mild marital issues, or I'm not sure I want to keep this job. Um, part of the point is there's no harm in asking mm -hmm. because every once in a while somebody says yes. It, it's infrequent, but you know, I've had I've had ambulances right out here, and in part because. Here, here's here's the thing about suicide we don't we forget. Nobody wants to do this. Nobody wants to die. People want another option. People want Hope. somebody. People want a beacon in the fog. Right. They want they want to see the lighthouse. You know what I mean. So picture being at sea and you're in the fog and you see the lighthouse and you're like, okay, I'm yeah. close to land. Yeah. I can see hope. And one thing that gives somebody hope is, tell me if you're having a terrible time because you know what I. My brain is thinking differently than yours, and I have an option for you. You know, and it might not be the, it might not be fun going to you know sitting in a psychiatric hospital is not always a great time. Although it's life saving for an awful lot of people. Yeah. Or I'm going to sit with you all night here until we can think of another way to go about this. Right. So we're going to think of the next right thing to do, but we're going to do that together. Yeah. Instead of like you know, oh, I'm going to gently check in, or I'm not going I'm not going to I'm not going to make that suggestion, and then if something happens. How many of us have had the moment where we're like, oh, man, if I just had asked the question, right? right? You know, if I'd just done something, could I have done more, you know? Well, I think so many people, after someone takes their life, for sure ask that question of themselves, of right? yeah. And are probably, yeah, for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's one of those moments that you can't get back. Yeah. But when you're in the suicide trance, that's not what you're thinking about. You know, you're just thinking about ending it. Just like, this, it's got to be over now. It's got to be over. The suffering has to be over, and there's only one way to do this. Okay. Right? So what I encourage people to do is don't, don't wait for the therapist's office. So, you know, like, um, there, it, there is never a bad time to check in with virtually anybody and just seeing if they're okay. You know, are you good? Have you ever thought, you know, every single, every single parent who's listening to us, if you have a child who is about seven or older, he or she knows that somebody died by their own hand in the past week. <laughs> there's not a chance yeah, in, in, in the age of we are living in, there's yeah. not a chance your child is not aware of that. So it is an odd uh, opportunity is a terrible word to well, use in but, this circumstance, right. but it is. It's an opportunity to say, wow, you know, like this, this thing happened so sad and everybody, everybody is touched by this in some way. Have you ever, has this ever crossed your mind? Really? You, yeah. would, you would want just as a matter of just general conversation? Yeah. Well, wow. I think you have to bring it into general conversation. I think it's time to bring it into general conversation okay. because if you, if you look at the numbers from the CDC, about rates of suicide in the United States, they are blowing up. And it used to be that you could like um, profile who was likely to commit suicide, right? So if you had a loner boy who was 15, you'd want to keep an eye on him. If you had a man who was unemployed and he was 47, you'd want to keep an eye on him. You know what I mean? And, okay. and newly depressed. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? Like, so there was these, these certain profiles, right? It was usually like by and large it was male. Not all the time, but 73, 74% of the time. Um, there was a couple of age groups that seemed to like really spike. Now, 
if you if you it's starting to flatten out across gender, across ages, um, across virtually uh, socioeconomic demographics. None of us is immune to this problem. And what do you make of that? Oh, I think we are in. Um, I think as a culture, we're sick. Um, seriously, yeah. yeah I, th- I think it's a. It's th- these are. As a civilized nation, for one thing, we have the luxury of mental illness. We are not struggling to survive by and large. Right. So our minds wander and our minds, we have time and and space in our heads. This is just kind of broad sociological thinking for our minds to go to these dark places because we're not scavenging. We're not, we're not hunting and well, gathering. Right. No, I, I, I understand that concept. Yeah. I, I definitely understand but, that concept. But in recent times, in the, in the last decade or so, Think about fundamentally how our cultures change. Right. We have um, this infusion of data in our minds, right? And yeah. it's some of it's good data, but as George said about the internet the other day, most of it's garbage, right? Garbage. And, and, and it's garbage that we are filling our minds with for hours and hours and hours a day. We, so- we, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I thought about this today. And again, this, the, this piece sounds, you know, super like trite and ordinary, but you know, we're watching the Cubs game and I looked at my phone and I, you know, you go from Instagram to Facebook to, and I, I just said, there's nothing on here. I mean, there's, you know, and, but we, but we look at it constantly. We look at it way more than we think we do. And I've cited this research here a couple of times because it's astounding to me. There's certainly not much good on there. (laughs) So anything more than about two hours of screen time, I'm going to repeat this which is times which is in this which podcast. is a gross amount of time anyway, but yes. But for any right. anybody listening, you know, track it on one day, and yeah. you'll find that it's probably exceptionally low for you, whether you are a child or an adult. No matter yeah. what you are doing for a living with your time, whatever, I bet you're looking at a screen for more than a couple hours a day, and and you are then far more prone to depression, anxiety, attention issues, which I think are. Um, by and large, an artifact of depression and anxiety uh, and suicidal ideation, the thinking that drives suicide. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of discord, there's, right? There's, uh, online, there's a lot of bad news. There's also a lot of the perception that everyone else's lives are better than yours, prettier than yours. Um, and then I think just the just the exercise, the physical exercise of of the looking down and the you know scrolling through, all that is just a big hot mess. Both of those, right? <laughs> so so you're right. Like you know, um, our self worth is dangling um, on likes. It's and, artificially compromised. <laughs> yep, and and the fact that we are looking at the thing means there's something else we are not doing. There's right. a million other things we are not <laughs> right. doing, right? So so the stuff of life, well you know, the yeah. memories that yeah. we make, the stuff that that creates the fabric of life that keeps us afloat, we're not engaging in that. There's nothing we're looking at on our phone or an iPad that is going to keep us going. Just, so scrolling back to the issue at hand, you know, like so we're talking about suicide, but really we're talking about wellness. And I think fundamentally, um, people commit suicide alone. My, my brother um, created a circumstance where he was absolutely isolated. And, oh, God, my, my wish is, oh, God, if there were iPhones then and he was carrying one, if I could have just 
reached out to him and found him, you know, pinged him. <laughs> if I could have pinged him or anybody could have, you know what I mean? Like then there could have been a connection, you know what I mean? Like so, and, and the antidote to my thinking, to suicide, to that, to the suicide trance, the depression fog, whatever you want to call it, is connection. So that's why I'm talking about talking about it yep. instead of not talking about it and disconnecting because um, the better story, first of all, is talking about it because if the person that you love, your, your child, your parents, your loved one of any kind is thinking about it, by and large, they'll tell you that this is something that, that, that um, I find in my office is people will tell me and, they'll say, and if they, I ask, do you have a plan? Yes. Do you know when you're going to do it? Yes. That tells me because I've gotten that, I don't know. Okay, so then what do you do? Years. Yes, so, and I have a plan. So the question is, are you thinking about it? And then the next question should be, do you have a plan? Yep. And then, and then, and then the next point is, wow. So that, what is that like? Tell me what that feels like. And, um, and then I tell them, okay. So we are not going to let that happen. So we are going to work together before you walk out of here on what's going to happen next instead of that. The idea is you are going to have a soft place to fall, and I'm going to be that soft place for now. So it, imagine imagine no, feeling desperate, and somebody you love, somebody who cares for you says, I got you. I got you. We're, I don't know exactly what to do, but we're going to figure it out right now. No matter what. Yep. So the next right thing is right here. We're going to figure it out. And typically... Um, if it's like I have a plan and I know when and it's today, you know, like then it's a nine one one call. Oh, that's, that, like, that was know, my that, that was my next like, question. And, and so I've said that you know I've said, I, most recently I was talking to somebody who was seventeen years old and I won't say gender or anything and I'm like okay so I'm not gonna let you do that. <laughs> that's the first thing. So and you you don't, it doesn't have to be this deep dark thing. Some people have had enough of that. You know what I mean? So it's right. like so you're telling me for a reason. You're not telling me because you're going to do it. You're telling me because that's where you are, that you're in the trance, you're in the fog. So I'm going to be the beacon. And you know what? I, I'm going to figure out what to do, and we are going to do this together. So we're going to make a call. I think I'll make the call unless you want to. Yeah. You know, I've never had anybody else make the call. I always make it, you know, and it's not that big a deal. Call 911. Yeah, I have a suicide risk here. Um, I'm with them. They're safe. Um, but we need an ambulance right away. Thanks so much. Goodbye. <laughs> this you know, is my so, address. So, this is where we are, you know? Right. We don't want to believe. So let go of the, you know, the energy in, you know, not wanting to believe that this goes on so often and that this crosses so many minds. And, um, you know, we can make it better by recognizing that and, right, asking the question and, and bringing it more into the conversation. So, People don't feel so isolated. And it crosses, listen, it crosses most minds, you guys. So it's not, that in and of itself, it's not, it doesn't have to be cause for alarm. It's absolutely cause for connection. Like, right. you know, and the thing you probably most make that, ooh, maybe I shouldn't go here face about, maybe I shouldn't ask this next thing, my, my strong bias is to act, ask the next thing or say the next thing. Say what you're afraid of. Say it. And then you can work it through. Then you've got something. Then you know, like, okay, this is our circumstance. I know what it is now. Yeah. And we know what it is now. We are now, you now have an ally in this. That changes the game right 
away yeah, immediately. I get it. And so, um, yeah, if you want to, if you want to help somebody out of the trance or out of the fog, um, don't ignore it. Go toward it. You know, yeah. when you, when your inclination is to step away, like ooh, this feels like dicey turf, and that doesn't mean talk about it all the time, but um, like the sex talk. Like, you know, like a lot of things that were like, ooh, gosh, I don't know if I want to talk about drugs with my kid. No, you know I, I, mean? that, like, I was thinking about that, yeah. that um, correlation, yeah. you know, just that, yeah, it's not the things we don't bring up because we don't, we think if we do, then that, no, they'll happen. Right. Um, but no, I, I mean, I've learned a lot just in this conversation. Yeah. Um, and just taking it, the time to stop and think about it. You know, you, it's touched our lives and, you know, your family, your immediate family. But I still think of it as a very remote thing, a very rare thing. And I don't, I'm not going to think of it that way anymore. No, no, no. And, and listen, like, it is, um, it is romanticized in some, you know, like fundamentally from Shakespeare to, you know, Nirvana right. to, you know, like, you know, like it, it, it is um, become a kind of this if we're being honest, this kind of idyllic last moment, you know, like, and, and so I think what you want to take out of it is that there's some, there's some beauty or grace in the act, right? You know, like, um, and, and for anybody like me who's lost somebody, I, that's a tough thing to take away in a way because I can honor what right. my brother did and the reasons that he did it. Yeah. But still, if I could undo that, and he could have been the one at his daughter's graduation instead of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would, I'd trade anything for that. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, the rates are going up and we have an epidemic on our hands. And so our mandate is to do something different. Right. Uh, yep. And that's the, uh, simply that, you know, and then something different will happen. But if we expect something, a different result when we do the same crap over and over again or we ignore over and over again, it's folly, and it's going to get worse, not better. And yeah. this is getting worse, you guys. This is getting worse. And the podcast is called Better, man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the idea here is the reason we're talking about this, and it's excruciating in a way, isn't it? Um, it's uh, – um, I, no, I, I, w I wouldn't say that. I, like I said, I, I, I feel – it feels better to talk about it than just to – sit in in the muck and the fear and the ickiness of it. I, I, I feel like I have a different understanding of how to approach it. Uh, just from you and I sitting here talking right now. We, um, my dad and I, we, we've talked about my dad a lot lately. Yeah. I, I don't know, my dad's been on my mind a lot lately. And he and I um, had a conversation maybe 12, 13 years before he died. Um, we were on one of our road trips down to Florida, which I kind of hold dear and um we stayed in these just awful motels like you know like i, I bed bug ridden hellhole <laughs> 17 a night motels that were close enough to the beach that we get to the beach in 10 minutes getting coffee at mcdonald's on the way and one night my dad asked me if i'd ever felt suicidal really yeah yeah and i said no but i asked him if he had and he said oh yeah yeah and he um he told me exactly what his what he would do. You're kidding! Wait. Yep. Uh, I didn't. I oh, you've you never heard this? this yeah, yeah, yeah. He told me he'd swim until he couldn't swim anymore. Out. And um, and this was, my dad had some tough times in his life when he was drinking, and you know, and um, and you know, even a couple of tough times I think in sobriety, and I think he was more anxious than he knew. 
And, um, and so I had the luxury in, I'm looking back at this now, I had the luxury of telling him, okay, I need you not to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we got to, and so we actually were laughing about that because my, my, Tom was already struggling. He had already, um, had an attempt or two. And so we kind of got to talking about it and, you know, and, uh. And so, you know, I was really clear, like, you know, we got enough crap going on. So yeah. there's no we're not swimming. Doing that. We're not swimming yeah. straight out. We're we're coming back. We're yeah. going out. We're gonna go out. We're gonna ride a wave in. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> and I think that's the that's the vibe that you can bring is like, you know, okay, I understand that you feel that desperate and that hopeless. And we are going to change that yeah. right now, starting yeah. this moment, you know? And um and I'm telling you guys. The reason I say it's that simple is I've been there. I've been there more than most people just by virtue of what I do for a right. living. And um, and it is that simple, um, just asking a question. Um, if you, And it's not that hard to sniff out. It really isn't. You well, know, and if, I suppose there's a little bit of it. You, you know, you, I mean, I'm thinking of some someone specific now I may have this conversation with, but you, you – don't want to insult, be insulting because you think you, you think, and you want to think, Oh, that's, they would never do that. Right. You know? Um, but I'm not going to think that way anymore. (laughs) Well, because, because, um, then the insult is that you feel depressed at times. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what, what, what really is the insult in asking somebody, are you okay? Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a, a caring thing. I've had people pissed at me for asking, but I've never, I don't regret ever asking one time ever, you know, like, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about suicide? You know? Well, I guess that's what I'm talking no, about. No, what makes you so think I, I would? It's we like, just have to be okay with that. And I think we have to get past the idea of being offended by it. You know, like, I, I think it's Offended like, is what I meant. Right, yeah, right, I mean, right. Because in, in the end, this is just a loving, caring thing that we do. And it's a little bit of housekeeping um, that we can do with anybody we care about. And that's why I say, like, you know, take this opportunity with with the healthiest person in your life and just ask them. So Julie, are you okay? Everything good? Yeah. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> and, and and I and I did I was reading the article that you referenced in the Washington Post. Yeah. And you know, just kind of too the reminder that as we go through our day, you know, just be kind. You know, you know to the people whose paths you cross um Wherever you are, wherever your day takes you, you never know what a smile might do for someone or a kind word, you know, um, as you go about your about your day. Um, you know, she she mentioned that be kind to people who whose paths you cross. And, yeah. And, and and so that 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 goes will help to um, George, George told us a cool story the other day that um, he went down to. Um, a Cubs game takes the train down into the city uh, from where we live, and um, and the Cubs, by the way, win with a grand slam walk off, um, which is just a side note to the story that George tells as he gets off the train. I think coming home, and he comes across a man who um, seems a little lost, and George is like, "Hey, man, everything okay?" Yeah. You know, and the guy needed um, to get back to a different stop, and he was a little disoriented, and George just helped him out. George gave him his phone, and they called. Oh, right, right. They a, called. They called made a phone Uber call to an Uber. Yeah. Right, right, right. And, um, and it, it's the, that little moment, right? You know, it's like taking the moment instead of walking past the guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you never, never regret taking the moment, right? And 
it's not just the guy who's disoriented or who's seen, you know, the, the kid who's lonely in the cafeteria, you know, um, but them too, <laughs> them too, for sure. But also, you know, um, King of the Hill, you know what I mean? Like somebody you think has it all going on and their life is work clicking on all cylinders. The other thing I know from doing my job is that life doesn't exist. Every one of us, you, you, you amen, hear the amen. quote and it's so cheesy and it's so very true that everyone is suffering something. Don't make any assumptions about anyone and you'll never regret being kind and reaching out a little bit, reaching yeah. out a little bit beyond yourself, beyond what you would normally do. And it feels good to you. It's healing. It makes you feel better. Yeah. And these times, call for it. It's a mandate. Take the moment. Be kind. Right? Yeah. Yep. And ask. If you're if you're wondering whether you should ask, ask. Yeah. This is better, you guys. Um, Thanks, have a better honey. week. Thanks. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Okay. We'll talk to you next time, guys.